What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Wise and Well podcast. I'm your host, Herman Lin. If you are new here, welcome. This is the show that I really just try to make fitness and health as simple and realistic as possible so that you can lose fat, build some muscle, get healthier, and go on and live your life without having to, to worry about fitness controlling it all the time. So if you are or are not new here and have been following the show, I appreciate you. If you are, uh, if you want to show some love, you know, go ahead and leave a five-star review. Um, it really means a lot. Say some nice things in, in the comments too. And in the reviews, I love whenever you reach out and I love, I love chatting with you. I, I always get a lot of, uh, it makes my day when I hear that you're getting value out of this and it's, and it's helping you improve your life and your fitness. So this is, a. Uh, I think that with the title and and what the topic is, it's it sounds a little bit cliche, honestly. You know, we're going to talk about how to lose fat without giving up your favorite foods. And so, one, I will acknowledge that it is a little cliche because I think it's a very very good marketing term out there, right? You you see it all the time. You don't have to give up your favorite foods and join this program and, you know, lose fat effortlessly without giving up pizza and ice cream and all these things. And, you know, I think one, there is, we have to acknowledge, like it is a great sales pitch, right? And a great marketing term. So I am not surprised that, that you do see it out there, but two, I think it is important to note that it is okay to eat those things and it is still possible to hit your goals. Um, and we'll kind of talk through that today and how to actually do it. And I want to say too, this topic to me is really important because five years ago, maybe even a little bit longer than that now, I would have had a very different perspective um, on this whole thing. So just kind of giving a little bit of a, a background um, about me and in if I go back to, you know, my twenties, even, even college, some of high school, high school, not really. Cause I played a, a ton of sports. It was pretty easy for me to stay lean. Um, just cause I was so active all the time. But once I kind of got in college and that all went away and, you know, I was doing way more late night eating and a lot less moving. Um, and then early in my career post-college, all of a sudden it was, it was a lot harder to stay lean. Right. So Back then, it was my whole goal was how do I prevent fat gain? How do I make sure that I don't gain weight? And every, you know, I, I would be always, I'm a guy who just, once I kind of get on a topic, I am just constantly researching it, reading about it, trying to, you know, I, I have probably like every self help book you could probably think of on, on my bookcase. That's just how I am. Once I'm into it, I'm into it. And so back then it was, you know, you, you can imagine 10 years ago, what kind of books were and what kind of health advice was really, um, the, at the forefront of the market. I got very, very into clean eating. I was terrified of carbs. It was, uh, you know, back then it was, it was really kind of like this, this giant push for, low carb, everything. I don't think I was ever fully keto, uh, maybe for like a week or two, but you know, it was definitely, uh, trying to minimize carbs. Like, I don't think I really ate them outside of, outside of dinner. Like I, I really didn't eat a ton at all. And even at dinner, like it would be like maybe a serving. So 
And then I, and then I was also into super into uh, intermittent fasting. I, I didn't eat breakfast for probably two years, almost every single day consistently, which is crazy to think about now, <laughs> considering what I, what I do now. I love breakfast. It's a great time of the day. I get to enjoy it with my fiance and, you know, it's our, it's our moment before we head to work. So it's, uh, it's, it's weird to think about back then that it was, I was terrified of, of thinking that if I ate breakfast, it would somehow lead to fat gain. And I think the, the thing is, unfortunately, most diets are kind of like this, right? It's, it's very much this, this mentality that there's this set of rules and if you don't follow them, you're going to gain fat. Or if you, you know, if you follow these to a T, you're going to achieve your dream body. And you see that across the board, right? There's, like I said, there's keto, there's intermittent fasting. You can do paleo, right? And avoid all um, processed foods. And there's, there's, there's so many things out there that all kind of disguise under the same way, right? Like if you really think about it, they're all kind of the same thing. All they're doing is limiting the amount of food you can eat, which puts you into a calorie deficit. That's it. There's nothing magical about fasting. It just lowers the amount of time that you can eat food throughout the day. So likely you're going to eat less calories. Now, a lot of times it can actually backfire for some people because yes, you're eating less in the morning, but then what happens at dinner, right? Are you all of a sudden getting super ravenous and hungry and kind of undoing it all? You know, the same thing with, with avoiding carbs. Well, when you avoid carbs, one, every gram of carbs retains four grams of water. Okay. So when you eliminate all carbs out of your diet, you're going to drop weight like immediately because it's, you're losing water weight from eating less carbs. And so a lot of people hang on to this and, you know, their first thought is, oh, well, I'm, I want to lose some weight. So I'm going to, I'm going to let go of carbs, right? Because it's worked before they, they did it and they, and they lost five, six pounds immediately. But then it always kind of slows down, right? Because at the end of the day, it's it's still you you, you once the water weight's gone, then the actual process of losing fat is a lot slower. And so what does it feel like, right? When you're when you have low carbs, are you okay with it? Are you tired all the time? Are you hungry all the time? Are you stressed? Does your sleep suck? All those factors matter for for long-term fat loss, right? So I think that's an important an important point to think about is that most diets are based off of what foods you should eat and what foods you shouldn't. And this is completely backwards. You know, it's it, even if you look at like the, the, you know, look at what the best Instagram content is or the best YouTube videos, not the best, but the the ones that have the biggest followings and the most engagement. You know, you got People in the grocery store literally pulling food out of people's carts and telling you why you shouldn't eat that. And guys, first off, number one, like that's just, that's bullshit. <laughs> first, you know, number one, don't, don't be pulling food out of my cart and, and then, and trying to shame me for it just because my kids like cereal. Like that's ridiculous. But number two, it's it it's it doesn't stand up to any kind of actual science-based evidence. 
that these foods are the cause of all of our problems and just switching, you know, usually these people are also selling their own clean version of the food, right? Like it's all, they just have some different ingredients that they believe are the best ingredients. And you just need to buy their processed food, which is the most ridiculous thing ever. What I will say though, is what helped me finally control my body composition to feel stronger and healthier and to, you know, like I said, to lose fat without worrying about eating my favorite foods. It required me to let go of this entire belief, like not the belief of keto or low carb and not the belief of fasting, but the belief that there was this one optimal diet, this one way of eating that everybody has to eat. And these, these rules that exist, that's like, you have to do it this way. Once you kind of are able to, you know, we'll talk about this, we'll talk about what actually matters, but once you kind of can shift to this and let go of this belief that that exists, everything becomes a lot easier because you're not constantly worrying about, you know, when I go out to eat, okay, well, does this, you know, how many, how many carbs is in that? And okay, can you give me the ingredient list of that? And when you're in the grocery store, right. And you're turning over the package of every single thing and looking for the, you know, oh, this is, does this one have seed oils? And, you know, once you kind of realize like all that kind of stuff is, is very much the, you know, the, the cherry on top and, and 95% of what matters is not that things get a lot easier because you can focus on, on the big rocks and, and what truly, truly matters. And that's important because I think when you have this idea that it's all about the types of food that you eat, diet and exercise becomes fear-based, right? You are doing all these things because you're afraid of what's going to happen if you eat these foods. And that is not a great way to live. You know, if, if I'm like, I, I just, I remember going out to dinner and being a, like, I, I would study the menu in the morning as we're going out and I would be like, Oh my God, like, I don't know if, I don't know what I'm going to get there. Like none of this really, you know, like that I, I could get that dish, but that's got a lot of carbs in it. I could, I could get this one, but that's got fried food in it. You know, I could, I can, I guess I could get the salad, but like, is that dressing have seed oils in it? Like it was, it was crazy. And, and so we would, I, we would be going out to dinner. It might be like a birthday dinner for someone that I'm friends with. And the whole time, like I'm staring at my food, freaked out about what I'm about to eat, which is, which is just crazy. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not a great way to live. And I'm not like, like, I'm not saying at all that you shouldn't worry about the types of food at all. I think that it's fantastic to prioritize mostly whole nutrient dense foods. I think that eating a ton of very, very processed foods makes it really hard to live a very healthy life. You know, like like the reality, but it's not because these foods are toxic. It's not because they have these chemicals and these ingredients that cause all this inflammation. And like the reality is that processed foods, and we'll talk about this in, in the third point today, but processed foods are simply this really, really kind of just tasty combination of fats, sugars, salt, that 
when you combine all these things together that you don't really get in, in any kind of natural food, they're just very, very easy to overeat. That's it. And so if you're eating like 80%, you know, a bunch of packaged foods like Doritos and Oreos and mac and cheese and all this stuff, the reality is it's just going to be really, really hard to not feel super hungry all the time. And you're likely going to overconsume calories. You're likely not going to get all the nutrients that you need because these, these foods, the nutrients per calorie is much lower than say, you know, an apple or a steak, right? And so you're just not going to feel good. You're not going to feel very healthy. And so there's, you know, I, I think there, that's, there's like two extremes to this though. It's just because you don't want to eat those foods 80% of the time doesn't mean you get to avoid those foods 100% of the time. And I think that's, that's what I want to talk about today is how do we find this true like balance, right? As, as everybody wants to say, like everything in moderation, right? Well, what the hell does that actually mean? So let's talk about it. So let's talk about first, what is actually required to lose body fat? right? Like, I think we need to nail that down to then understand how different foods play into that. So we're going to talk about three things today in total. Number one, we have to find a way to manage overall calories. Okay. That is going to be the number one, most important thing in terms of actually accomplishing the physical goal. Number two, we want to make sure that when we lose weight, we are losing body fat and not muscle. This is critical and something that we don't talk about a lot. I talk about it a lot. <laughs> I talked about it a lot in the last episode, the last solo episode, but this is, this is a super important point and we'll kind of get to it. And then number three is managing your hunger. And this is where the types of foods is going to come into play. So let's go into the, the first point and kind of start there. So let's talk about number one first. So managing overall calories. This is so important that we start with this one and nail this one first, because again, like I said, there's so many diets out there that are, that give you these different rules and these different things you need to focus on and cutting out these foods, not eating during these times. But at the end of the day, they're all accomplishing the same thing. They're just a way to lower your overall calories because when it comes to weight loss, or weight gain, that is always going to be the driver. Are you burning more calories than you're consuming or are you burning less calories than you're consuming? So we really, really nail, need to nail this down. And because it's so important because you hear all these crazy things out there. You hear people say that, you know, if you don't, if you eat carbs, then you're never going to be burning body fat. If you, or you know, if you're spike, if you have insulin spikes, right, then your body can't start, can't convert fat into fuel and whatever it is, you, you hear all these types of stories out there and none of it's true time and time and time again, you know, maybe they have some kind of mechanistic study where they're, they're using, you know, a Petri dish in a lab or like, or they have some kind of rat study that points to maybe this is, this is the truth. Whenever they actually do any of these kind of randomized control studies in humans, we never see it play out. We always see that total calories by far is the number one driver of weight gain and weight loss, right? And 
to even take this a step further, you know, you have people who have literally gone to the extreme side to show this is true. So, you know, one Jordan Syatt, who is a great trainer, really, really good at the inf- information he, he provides out there. I would highly recommend following him and listening to a lot of his advice. But he's, you know, one of the one of the big things he did early on was he ate a Big Mac every day for 30 days and lost weight. He also very recently spiked his blood sugar intentionally every single day for 30 days and lost, I think he lost like seven pounds by the end of it. There's a guy named Mark Hobb that you can look up who he was a, I think he was a professor in nutrition and he ate nothing but Twinkies and Ho-Hos and and donuts. And he lost 27 pounds. Why? Because he tracked his calories and he aimed for 1800 calories, which was a calorie deficit for him. So yes, regardless of the foods you eat, if you are in a calorie deficit, you are going to lose weight. That is the reality. Now, does this mean that you should eat pizza and Pop-Tarts only because you can and because it's possible to lose weight? No, because one, we'll talk about this in point three, I think it's going to be very, very hard to actually stay in a calorie deficit in the long term, eating a lot of these types of foods because you're going to feel hungry. Now, number two, I think there's other health implications outside of just weight, right? Getting the the proper amount of nutrients, like all these people, they lost weight in the short term all their health markers actually improved because they they lost weight. Now, what we don't know is what happens if they eat that diet for three years, right? Does it still look the same? I don't know. I would imagine that eating more nutrient-dense foods is probably going to be healthier in the long run. So, and, and, and also, you're probably just not going to feel very good if you're eating only pizza and Pop-Tarts all the time, right? So, I think it's an important distinction. Like just because we're saying that you can lose weight eating anything you want doesn't mean that food quality doesn't matter at all. But again, I think we this is so important to start with because it's just a very, very important thing to understand that at the end of the day, the calories is going to determine what happens to your weight. Okay. So once we establish this, it becomes much simpler and easier to understand. What do you actually need to do then to to actively lose fat, right? So we need a strategy to manage calories, right? And I'm going to say right now that tracking calories and tracking food from what some of the research says and from my experience and from working with clients every day is by far the most effective way to manage calories. I'm not saying that it is for everybody. I'm not saying that it's something that you need to do forever by any means. But I've seen time and time again that, you know, the, a lot of the clients that I work with, the ones who track their food consistently, they're not perfect. You know, it might not be every single day and it might not be every single bite of food. 
Um, but the ones that do it as a regular practice usually have the most success and, and, and consistency and success in the long run. So what I would recommend if you've never done this before, or maybe even, even if you haven't had the greatest experience with it before, do it, you know, try to track, not even try, you know, do it, track for at least seven days. Give yourself seven days. And if after that, you absolutely hate it, fine. But I think it's important to do even in the short term for a couple of reasons. Number one, you're going to create awareness around your food. And this is one of the first things that when a client starts with my online coaching at Wise and Well, within like the first couple of weeks, within even the first couple of days of, of tracking food, I'll get, I'll get some kind of text that's like, wow, this has been eye-opening, right? They're creating awareness around their own habits, right? It's the same thing that, again, I use this analogy a lot, but if you're trying to pay off debt or you're trying to become wealthy, what happens when you look at your bank statement, right? You see some things on there that is very, very telling. Like, okay, wow, I'm spending 15 bucks on coffee every weekend. Or I am paying for this Peacock subscription. I never watch it one time, right? Like those things are very hard to acknowledge and understand when you are not actively trying to be aware of it. And when you do, it makes it much easier to find little opportunities and little actions, right? Maybe you realize that every time you have a stressful meeting, your immediate reaction after is to eat a bag of chips, right? Or maybe those two glasses of wine that you have after dinner are having a much larger impact on your weight loss efforts than you thought before. This isn't to say that it's it's all these things that like, okay, I have to cut out all these things. It's just, we're creating awareness. We're, we're, we're painting the present story so that we can make the most educated decision on what we should actually do, right? Now, number two, it also really, really helps you understand portion sizes much, much better. And this is so important because as we talk about, you know, a lot of people talk about intuitive eating and listening to your hunger cues and I think, I think those are like great places to get to eventually. They are so hard to do when you don't know what a portion size of protein looks like or what a portion size of fats looks like, right? And so when you first start tracking, and what I would do is, you know, number one, I would get, an, I would get a good app that lets you track easily. So I recommend Chronometer, maybe it's Chronometer, I don't know how you pronounce it, but it's on it's on the app store i'm sure apple google play all those i there's also my fitness pal that a lot of people use that's probably the most popular one so they've got the biggest library i personally like chronometer more um it's a little bit more intuitive sleeker just a little bit easier to use i can't even really explain why but i would also get a food scale you can order one off amazon for like 20 bucks I'll, I'll put in the show notes, just a link to one that I use. 
um, and this is going to be important for, for this point exactly, is understanding portion sizes. So when you are making your food or you're cooking it, you know, before you eat it, just put it on the scale quick so you understand how many ounces, how many grams it is, and put it in the app. Because what you're going to notice is a couple of things. Number one, you're going to realize what a tablespoon of peanut butter actually looks like. <laughs> that is that is probably like one of the most common ones that people say, oh my God, <laughs> I did not realize what I was doing is not a serving of peanut butter, right? Olive oil, even. You know, the oil they use to cook, like you, as you just plop it into the pan. Well, when you actually measure out a tablespoon and realize a tablespoon is like 110 calories, that is very eye-opening. And then the same for the flip side, right? Like I think as I have people, a lot of times with, with new clients, I will usually have them start off tracking protein at least. Because it's usually a big opportunity for people. And we, our goal is to make sure they're getting enough protein. So, you know, as you think that tracking calories and tracking food is all about like limiting and, and trying to avoid, this is the opposite. This, we're trying to make sure that you're getting enough of something. And so when it comes to protein, you know, a lot of times what you notice is, oh, I thought that this was, okay, if I'm trying to guess what four to five ounces of chicken looks like, You'll put it on the scale and be like, whoa, that's, that's only two ounces. Right. And so right there you realize like, oh, I need to eat, I need to eat a bigger portion of protein. Right. And then people go, oh, well, if I had to eat double this size of chicken, like I'm going to be so full. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the point, right? When you start eating more protein, and bigger portions of protein, you're going to feel full. It's going to be harder to eat other calories. That's, that's the point. So it's, it, it is very eye-opening. You start learning, okay, here's what a portion size of protein looks like. Here's what a portion size of my carbs looks like. And this makes it much easier as you go down the road. The more you do this, the more you can eat these meals and have, you know, very balanced macros, have, and be able to hit your goals without tracking in the future. But this is very, that's very, again, very, very hard to do if you've never tracked in the first place. Right. So, and then, then the last piece is you're going to get a sense of what your maintenance calories are. And maintenance just means that these are the calories that you eat to basically maintain your current weight. Right. So there's a lot of calculators out there. Those are all kind of guesses. They're they're good starting places, but they're not necessarily going to be accurate for everybody. So when you track your calories, again, you know, doing using a scale, using an app, um, trying to be as accurate as you can with you know all the oils and and everything that you're eating, then what you can do is look back at the seven days that you tracked your calories. Now take that and take the average of those days. So let's say, you know, you ate, I don't know, let's call it 2,400, 2,500, 2,600, right? Like kind of like all over in that range. And then when you take the average, it was right around 2,500 calories, okay? That I would consider your maintenance calories. Assuming, you know, when you do this, it's gonna be wise to, 
eat the same way you have been eating, right? If you try to change everything that week, just because you think it's going to look better on the app, right? And you start eating just all salads and stuff and your calories are way lower than usual. It's not really helpful because you're not getting a, a true picture of, of what it is, right? Same again, go back to the bank account example, right? Like if you are just, if you, if you have a spending problem, right. And then you're going and this week you're like, I'm going to see what my, what, what I spend too much money on. Right. But then this week, because you're actually looking at it, you don't spend any money. Right. How's that helpful? <laughs> it's the whole point of this is, is to understand where the opportunities are. So eat the same way that you normally do. Right. And then at the end of it, it's if if you are right around 2,500 calories, you know that if I eat around this number, my weight is going to stay the same. Okay. So if the goal is weight loss, then it's, it's very, very simple from here. You need to reduce that number. Okay. So if we eat less than 2,500 calories, in theory, we should be in a calorie deficit and we should lose weight. Okay. There's more, there's more complexity to it, but in like the simplest terms. So now my recommendation to start for a calorie deficit, I would subtract the number by about 20%. So again, let's go to this example, right? If you are eating around 2,500 calories, then let's take 20% of that, which is about 500 calories, let's call it subtract that from your number. So that would take you to about 1900 calories. 1900 calories would be your starting point to target for a calorie deficit. If you are eating 500 calories below, then it takes roughly about 3,500 calories in total to lose a pound of fat. Okay. So if you're eating 500, take that across seven days, that's about 3,500, right? So this should put you in a place where you're losing about a pound a week. Okay. So 20% calorie deficit is, you know, one, it is something that is usually pretty sustainable for most people. Like, like, you know, some people even go closer to a thousand and they're trying to lose two pounds a week. That becomes much more challenging, you know, a lot more discipline involved, 500 though is a place where you're probably going to feel, you're always going to feel a little bit hungry. You know, if you're in a deficit, right? It's, you're eating less than you're burning. So that's okay. It's okay to feel a little bit hungry. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, we'll talk about later how to make sure you're not, you shouldn't feel like you're starving, right? Like, like you're, you're just the whole time like, Oh, like white knuckling it. You should not feel like that. And 20% should not put you in a place like that. Um, you should still have relatively good energy. You should still be able to go to the gym and get some good workouts in. Maybe you're not lifting as much as you possibly could and setting PRs every week, but you should, you shouldn't feel like I have zero will to go to the gym. I can't even get through my workout. If that's the case, you're not eating enough probably, um, or some other things are going on. So, and again, going back, if we don't start here, if we don't get this part right, then you are, we're not going to accomplish the goal of losing fat right? And we'll talk about how to make sure your favorite foods are in there. But we have to start here. Okay. Now, if you don't want to track calories, I get it. I, you know, it's again, like I'm, I'm always going to advocate it. I always think that when people start out, you know, some people have 
either never track calories and it terrifies them because it's, it's a new thing, right? It's a new thing that you to start learning. It's the same way. Like if you start strength training, it was kind of scary at first. Like it didn't feel great. Like it's, yeah, maybe you're kind of excited, but it's a new skill that you're, that you're learning. So I get it. But you know, at the, at the same time, it is, it's going to, it's the thing that's going to help you get to your goal the fastest and the most reliable. So as much as it feels like if you don't, you don't want to track calories and that you're spending all this mental energy on doing it. Well, how much mental energy are you spending on not doing it and running into a brick wall every single week, trying to get the results that without, you know, with a blindfold on, like, I think, I think that is so important to, to clarify, right? That being said, you know, there, there's, there's certainly ways to do it. Um, we'll kind of talk about it at the end when we talk about managing hunger, that that's one way that you can kind of start creating a calorie deficit without tracking all the time. But I would even go as far as saying that even if, you know, if you absolutely hate it, pick three or four days of the week and say like on these days, I'm going to track on the other days. I'm not right. doesn't mean on the other days you just, you know, you, you just kind of load up on, on food as much as possible but you use, you just use a different strategy. And I think even a few days a week is still going to be better than none. It's still going to give you more awareness and help you learn the portion sizes, you know, help you hit this calorie goal. And that'll kind of create new eating patterns, which, which I think helps you ultimately get to your goal. So I think this is important to establish. We'll move into the next point after this, because I'm kind of beating a dead horse right now, but the more you track, the more accurate you are, and the longer and consistently you do this, the more likely you're going to get the results. Okay. I think that's just, let's just leave it on that. Okay. Now, number two, as we're talking about calorie deficit, like I said, if you reduce the calories and you eat less than you burn, you're going to lose weight. Okay. Now, this is important to, to say because when we talk about fat loss, right? There's a reason I say fat loss and not weight loss most of the time, because fat loss and weight loss are not always the same thing. Because when you lose weight or you gain weight, it can come from multiple things. Like one, of course, there's water. There's water weight, right? That one is always going to make your the scale fluctuate and it's going to stress you the hell out because you're going to see the scale go up two pounds and it's just water weight. And you're going to be like, what the hell happened? But I think the the important ones for us to actually, you know, focus on is fat and muscle. And we don't talk about this enough because unless your body has a reason to hold on to muscle, it's going to gladly pare it down when there's a lot less food to conserve energy because muscle requires a little bit more energy than fat to maintain. So if if you have if your body says okay well we don't need this muscle then why is it going to hold on to it right your body's always trying to become as efficient as possible so if you just slash calories right like you're just you're just like I'm just going to eat as little as I can I'm going to go on the treadmill I'm just going to run as fast as I can I'm going to burn this all off and I'm just going to lose weight as quickly as possible if you do that there's a really good chance that a lot of the weight loss comes from muscle and not fat. Okay. And this is something that if, again, going back to in my twenties, when I was avoiding carbs, I was fasting, 
back then I was training for, uh, I, I did a marathon. I was into triathlons. Like it was all like, I was cardio, cardio, cardio. I didn't, I barely touched weights. Like if I did, I didn't really, it wasn't like a real training program. I would just like go in there and just do some random workouts. Um, I was, you know, I did orange theory. So there was some dumbbell work in there, but I wouldn't, that's not something that's going to necessarily actually help you build muscle because there's not a, there's not a plan. There's not a progressive overload aspect of it. And again, look, like I, I don't, I, I hate all the conversation out there. That's like cardio is, is bad for you and you should never do it. Like cardio is great for you. It's really, really good for your heart. It is something that is going to, you know, I think it, it can even benefit strain training because it helps you recover faster between your sets and easier, which helps you lift more weight in the long run. So by no means am I saying don't do cardio. I don't, like, I never want that to be the the perception. It's more so, are you not doing strength training is a problem, right? Like most people do only cardio, but they never lift weights progressively. And you don't, you know, I, I guess actually you'd probably do see the other one. We probably, we probably need to, if anything, just help people understand that both are important. But, you know, as I did that, like I got pretty thin and the scale went down, you know, like I, I weighed some of my lowest in my twenties but I was always dissatisfied in the mirror. You know, like what would happen is like, I would feel like my arms and my legs would get scrawny, but my belly like didn't necessarily shrink or budge. If anything, it just kind of got almost just more exposed, right? Because everything else was smaller. So it was like, it was like that skinny fat kind of look, right? Like every time, like I was like going down to do like planks, like I would just see like a little bit of a belly roll and like the skinnier I got, the more pronounced I got. So it's a, it's an important point because, you know, what you don't want to do is get to this place where like, you just get super, super small, but you're like, what the hell, like, what the hell is this? Right. Cause I, like, I don't actually look fit. I just look thin, right. Like almost like frail. And so there's two, two things that are, that are going to make sure that we are losing body fat and not muscle. And one, one more point to just, you know, just kind of paint the picture what's so important and what we don't really talk about a lot is that we naturally lose muscle as we get older, unless we do something about it. And it's to the point where after you turn 30 years old, you're going to lose about three to 7% of your muscle mass every decade. Okay. Which over time, you know, over the course of three decades, like that's, that's meaningful. And so that's a big reason why, as you talk about getting older, why is it so hard to stay in shape? Well, why is it so hard? You know, why are you eating the same things, but all of a sudden, like, you know, it's, it feels like you're just getting fatter. Like it's a big part of that is because you're losing muscle mass, right? But if you're eating the same amount of calories or eating more calories, right? And maybe you're, you're probably moving less because now you have a family, now you have, now you're progressing your career. Life is a lot busier. Well, when you have less muscle mass, but you're eating the same amount of calories, well, what, what happens, right? If you stay the same weight, where does that weight go? It's, it's becoming body fat, right? So this is an important factor to talk about is that over time, if we just let muscle kind of dwindle, 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 it, it becomes harder to kind of get to that place where, where we're building all back up not, not impossible by any means you could, you know, at any age, you could start building muscle again, but 
you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that it's, it's almost an investment over time. You want to, you want to really focus on making sure that you maintain your muscle as you get older, because it's going to, it's going to just help you stay healthier, a lot easier. Okay. So two big things to make sure that we are losing body fat and not muscle. Number one, strain training. Number two, protein. Okay. So number one, strain training, I would recommend about two to four times per week, 45 minutes for, for, uh, each session is plenty for most people. If you're just starting out like two times a week, three times a week is, is going to be great. Like it, it, you know what a lot of people, when they start out at wise and well, they're coming from a place where I think, I think people move into strain training and in their head, it's like, I got to do a lot of it. Right. Because that's the same way we think about cardio and circuit training is like, I gotta, I gotta try to work out as many days as I can. And so they're lifting like five days a week, which for 98% of people is unnecessary. You know, once you get to kind of like closer to your genetic limits, you know, maybe you're, you're trying to bodybuild those, you know, like I understand it. I understand why you have to, you have to have more sessions throughout the week, but for most people, there's no reason you need to be doing five days a week for an hour, hour and a half each. If, if you are doing that, I would say you probably don't have the greatest program or don't have, you know, or, or are not giving enough intensity during your sessions. Okay. So again, if you're just starting out, I think two full body days a week or three days, a lower body, an upper body and a full body are great. And then I think as you kind of, you know, as you get a couple months under your belt, then I think like a four day, two lower, two upper is going to be what you can do the rest of your life. <laughs> like for, for the most part, honestly, there's a lot that goes into a training program, but the biggest thing that you have to really remember is you are practicing progressive overload. Okay. So you have some kind of system. You could do this with an app that you're recording your reps, your sets, and your weight each week. And then each week you're trying to increase that and, and do a little bit more, right? If you did eight reps last week, do nine reps next week. Once you kind of get to the point of like, okay, I'm doing like 12 reps this exercise, go up and wait the next time. There's, you know, I could do a whole entire episode about this and probably will. So I'm not going to go into like excruciating detail about how to progressive overload overload. Or you could go back to the, there's a coach's corner episode that me and Sarah Clark did talking about this whole topic. So we won't talk about it a lot on this, but look, if you, if you've never tracked weights, if you don't know where to start with strain training, the wise and well method also might be a great option for you. Like I have a, a lot of people that start off here are coming from a place where, you know, maybe they were doing a lot of circuit training, a lot of cardio and doing some kind of dumbbell work, but not really, not really strain training, right? Like not really recording and, and getting stronger each week. And they come and they start and, and we, and we work on the basics, right? You get all the form videos. We take the guesswork out of the actual plan, right? So they know exactly what exercises they should be doing. Cause that is a science on its own. So that's a great place to start. You know, again, like I think there's other, many other great options out there. 
So reach out to me if if you need a place to to start with strength training and don't know what to do. Let's talk about it. And if the wise and well method is not for you, then I'll point you into a direction of what else could be a great starting option for you as well. Okay. So when you start lifting weights, you know, just, you know, just something to be, to really understand. And this is important because what you're going to see is that you're going to notice in probably in the first month or two, a little bit of muscle definition, which is nice, right? Like you might see your arms pop out a little bit more and you're like, Ooh, that looks good. Maybe your back or even your legs. And you might not see the scale go down. You know, you, you actually might see the scale go up a couple of pounds. I think this freaks out a lot of people in the beginning, but it's very normal. You know, one, you're, you're going to retain a little bit more water from lifting. You're going to have maybe a little bit more inflammation in your body. Not bad. You know, these aren't bad things, but be prepared that the scale might go up a couple of pounds and it's okay. It's not body fat. It is your body adjusting to this new stimulus. And it's it's going to help you out in the long run. You know, even if, it, again, like I, I think it's so important that if you see your body changing, if you see muscle definition, if you see that you're, you know, measure your waist size, if your waist size is staying the same or even decreasing, it then it doesn't really matter what the scale says. Because if you're building muscle or even, you know, in the beginning, you can build muscle and lose fat at the same time, then great. Who cares if the scale doesn't go down five pounds if you look leaner, right? And feel healthier. So, okay. The second one then is protein. So super important. Like I said, it's a big opportunity for many, many people. When I first start working with them, I typically see is that they're just, they're not eating enough protein. And they're not eating it consistently throughout the day, which is important for a couple of reasons. So number one, the studies show time and time again that when you eat adequate protein in a calorie deficit, you hold on to substantially more muscle mass than if you don't, okay? Meaning that when you lose weight, like we talked about, you're losing body fat and not muscle mass. Okay, so protein is a must if you want this to happen. And then number two, and again, this is going to point to point number three. I feel like I keep pointing to point number three, which is an important one. It fills you up. Okay, protein is the most satiating macronutrient, which is super, super important. All right. So the amount you need is roughly around 0.7 grams of pro of protein per pound of body weight. This is like the, this is the minimum, right? You know, to get this exactly on, you want to try to get at least this. Okay. So if you weigh 150 pounds, take that multiply by 0.7. So you want to get at least 105 pounds or 105 grams of protein. You can do more if you'd like, but you want to get at least that. This is going to come around to be for most people probably around like one to two palm size portions. So take the size of your palm, right? And if you have like a chicken breast or a steak, it should be like the size of that, like one or two of those per meal, right? If you're, if you're like probably like 150 to 200 pounds or more, like probably closer to that two palm portion. If you're, if you're less than that, probably closer to that one palm portion, but get at least, if you can get at least that per meal. And, and again, I think like, as we go into this last point, 
it's important, as I say, per meal, not because like you need to space protein out for optimal muscle protein synthesis, but more so because it helps you manage your hunger. And that's point number three. Okay. And so this is the part where if you say all that matters is calories, you're going to often miss the mark, right? Because like I said, you can eat Twinkies, you can eat pizza, you can eat Big Macs, you can eat, there's even a guy who ate only Costco hot dogs and lost weight. You could eat all that and lose weight, but it's going to be very, very difficult if you are really, really hungry all the time, right? Because eventually willpower is going to break. Why? Because some foods simply make you more full than other foods. And it's going to be important for us if our strategy is to eat less, we want to take out as much friction as possible, right? And like I said, you're always going to be a little bit hungry in a calorie deficit. There's nothing wrong with that. Very, very normal. But there's a very big range of how hungry you can be. Like it should not be something that like you're walking throughout the day being like, all right, I, I can't eat another morsel of food. Otherwise, like it's all, I'm going to break it all apart. Like that's, you're not going to last very long. And like I said, if it's realistically, you're losing one pound a week, right? Like if you want to lose 20 pounds, we got to survive this thing and be able to do this for at least 20 weeks, right? And like probably longer because you're not going to be perfect every week and that's okay. So being able to manage your hunger is going to be super important because we need to be able to do this thing for long enough to actually see results. Okay. So the goal is to minimize hunger as much as possible. The less hungry you are, the less like you're, you are to graze on snacks or to give into temptation on the weekends, right? All those things. So what are the, the foods that help minimize hunger? And this is important because as we talk about, you know, again, going back to the very, very beginning point that a lot of diets and a lot of mentalities is all about what foods do I avoid? How do I, what do I, what do I need to not eat? Right? Like what's the list of, of the, you know, they'll give you like the list of here's the foods in green that you're allowed to eat yellow. That's kind of like, ah, I don't know about these. And then there's like the red, which is like, stay away, stay away, stay away. Right. That, that mentality is, it can work. But also it's like, why do you want to walk around with anxiety about all these foods all the time versus the opposite? The opposite is let's get more foods into your diet that are filling, right? So let's focus on these three things, protein, fiber, and then just like overall whole foods. So minimally processed things that don't come in a package, like think about vegetables, fruits, right? Even like it's fine, like a canned vegetable, right? Like it's just think about like they are almost like single ingredient foods, you know, meat, steak, chicken, fish, uh, nuts, seeds, beans, whole grains, you know, rice. There's, there's a lot that like you, you can, I'm sure you can imagine what I'm, what I'm describing, right? But ideally, you would have some of each of these on your plate. So here's how, you know, and like, let's go back, I guess let's go back quick, like just to kind of give, as I say these things on like protein fiber, I feel like, like it's so easy for me to say, like, yeah, just get some fiber. But, you know, just to um, kind of paint this picture, like protein, primarily, you know, think of meat, chicken, steak, like I said, fish, 
pork, bison, like the, like pretty much any meat, except the only thing I wouldn't really count is like sausage, you know, because because sausage is usually like 10 grams of protein and like 10 grams of fat. So it's not really a protein food. If anything, it's like maybe like a protein side, but also higher calories. So I just wouldn't rely on that if it's like, this is my protein portion, right? All the time. So it's fine to have sometimes, but I just wouldn't, I, you know, I wouldn't be eating that 80% of the time. Okay. And then fiber is, it's going to be fruit, you know, some fibrous veggies, like maybe like broccoli or asparagus, you know, it's going to be whole grains. So, you know, maybe there's brown rice, you know, like you could do like farro, quinoa, oats, beans, lentils, nuts, seeds. I am sure I am missing some of those in there. Um, you could even do like, you know, whole grain pastas and, and, um, breads. A lot of those have, have a good amount of fiber in them, or even like those like tortillas. There's, there's tortillas that are high in fiber too. Um, and then, and then we talked about whole foods already. So, okay. I, ideally you'd have one, you know, some of each of these on your plate, um, at all times. And so here's how we tie it all together. Okay. Let's focus on adding these foods. Let's get some protein. Let's get some fiber. Let's aim for like 70 to 80% whole foods. Okay. Minimally processed foods throughout the week. and that means the rest of it, eat whatever your heart desires. Okay. Whether that's pizza, Big Macs, Oreos, milkshakes, I don't really care. You know, if you're managing your calories, you're eating 70 to 80% of these foods, right? It's going to be very, very easy, not very easy, but it's going to be much less hard to stay in a calorie deficit. Okay. And that means that if you're eating pizza, you're staying within your calorie your calorie target, and you're eating more of these other foods, there's nothing wrong with eating the pizza. Okay. So if you, if you love, if you love breakfast tacos, right, then go ahead and get some breakfast tacos. If you love going out to dinner, you know, and you have your favorite Italian place and you just, you just love the chicken Parmesan there. Cool. Plan for it. Get in your calorie target. Get us get a nice side salad on the side. You already got some protein in the chicken, okay? The rest of the day, maybe make your lunch that day. And then there's nothing wrong with with eating that. And maybe you even leave some room in your calorie budget for the tiramisu after. Go for it. There's not there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Okay. So you can play around with it. You know, maybe some days you go out to dinner for someone's birthday and half of your calories come from Whole Foods. You know, like you don't have to, it doesn't have to always be 80% every single meal. That's okay. This, there's, there's a lot of different ways to do this and there's no one right answer. So just remember this, you're the, the first point that the total calories is always going to be the priority, right? And so aiming for mostly whole foods isn't a requirement. It's just something that's going to make it easier to hit your goal. And this is an important distinction. Okay. So it's, you know, even if you're eating 60% or 51% whole foods, like it's still going to put you in a much better place and it's going to make it easier. Okay. So, so don't look at it as like something that's like, okay, he said I had to eat 80%. So I got to get this and like, no, 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 no. Let's focus on overall calories. 
Let's make sure that you're, you're, you're using a way, you have a way to preserve muscle by doing a little bit of strength training, you know, getting adequate protein in. And then let's like, let's just, just try to get some more whole foods in there. Let's try to get some fiber in there. And, and it's going to be much easier. It's going to be a, a lot easier to hit your goal. And then you're not going to feel like, oh, I can't eat all these foods. I can't eat like, you know, I, I, I can't eat the, the cheeseburger that I love. It's like, no, go for it. Totally fine. Totally fine. Okay. So that's the difference. That is, that is the difference in how most people think of diets and how you can, you can still lose fat and get into great shape great health and still eat all the foods that you love. You know, like, again, maybe you're eating smaller portions of them or you're eating them less often, but there's no reason you have to cut out any food entirely. Okay. I'm going to read what a client said from Wise and Well, because I think this, this gives this point so important and, and really, and really encompasses everything that I've said into in like two sentences. She says, I really love this program. And it's so different from anything that I've ever done because it's so simple and realistic. It's non-restrictive. I haven't given up any foods that I love and I've been learning how to work them into my daily calories. That's it, right? Like that, that I could have just said that entire thing and, and left out everything else I just babbled about for the last um, hour and you would have got the gist of it. But again, I don't want you to get, have to give up your favorite foods. Like that's important because food is cultural. It's sometimes spiritual, right? It's something that we celebrate and we bond over. I love food. Like I love trying new restaurants. Me and my fiance, like we love finding new places and, and, and ordering something and, and like having that moment where it's like, oh my God, yeah, like that, that was, a, that was fantastic. And you know, I love tasting menus, like Master Chef and Chef's Table are two of my favorite shows. I was a prep cook in college. <laughs> like it, it is, it is something that is near and dear to my heart. I love cooking every night. And if I had to just eat chicken and broccoli every night, I would be miserable. <laughs> so my goal is definitely not to make you stop eating those foods or any types of foods. Like if you have some kind of pizza, right? I'm from Chicago originally. So I love pizza. And, it, and if you find one that you're like, this is the best pizza I've ever had, send it my way because I, I will gladly try it. You know, my goal is entirely to help you learn how to eat those foods while still hitting your goals because there is no reason that you can't. Okay. And again, we are using food and fitness to empower your life, to make it better. And we're going to hit your goals along the way. Okay. Like I promise you that we're going to do everything we can. And you know, that might mean some sacrifices along the way, but we're going to do it in a way that makes you excited about it and excited about life and excited about fitness and excited about food because you should be, because it's good for you and it makes you feel good and it's fun. And that's it. All right. So hopefully you got some value out of this. Hopefully uh, you understand, you know, how to lose fat without giving up your favorite foods in, in an actual actionable way. That's not very cliche. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, if you did, you know, again, reach out, leave a great review. Um, DM me at wiseandwell.fitness on Instagram. I love to hear from you guys. And you know, if, if you are looking for training, if you're all looking for help with nutrition and some online coaching, 
reach out to me directly or go to the, go to my website at wiseandwellcoaching.com and submit an application. I'd love to jump on the, on the call, hear about your goals and see if we are a good fit with each other and work together. So, all right, guys, have a great rest of your day and I look forward to chatting with you next time. Bye.